Once upon a time, there were three writers. They stole a prompt uttered in real life and ran with it. Bella, hit the theme tune. No. <laughs> it's the series finale of series two. Have you got a theme tune? Yeah, and you won't let me play it. Bella, I love you, but the theme tune is not appropriate. Why? Give me a good reason why. <laughs> because we're 13 plus. I thought we lived in a sex-positive society, but, you know, okay, fine. I, I just, I'd just like to say, you know, the, the absolute rudeness of the prompted hosts. I mean, you come and guest on this show and you don't even get introduced after the start-up. Shush, Alex, okay, let the real podcasters do their talk. Who are you, Alex? You, you know who I am. <laughs> yes, but I'm saying that so you can introduce yourself. The viewers know who I am. If they don't, go, go back to episode six, I was there. All right, Mr. Ego. Jesus Christ. I am Alex Ely. I am... Alex, who is more popular than, than all of the hosts, apparently. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows who I am. Exactly. Yeah, we're currently not happy with Alex because the minute he went on our show, we got our first ever prompted fan art and it was so cool and it was fan art and it was awesome and it was for Alex's character. Alex, the guest's character. Distills the show. <laughs> Alex is taking over the show. You'll turn on next time and it will just be Alex saying the intro. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Alex and I were talking last night and he was saying how because he's going to become such a successful author and going to have so many fans and be Hang so on, rich. This, com he's... this conversation is being twisted massively out of the <laughs> But go on. Is it? He's going to be my artistic sugar daddy. And support my lifestyle on the beach. Right, right, for clarity, what I said was, if one of us becomes successful and the other one lives like a sort of starving artist lifestyle, but, and if it, if it was the case that Bella was the starving artist, but I would become her artistic sugar daddy and would finance the sort of hermit what? artist lifestyle which she aspires towards. Wait, are you backseeing Bella's success money? The, the way the conversation really went, was we both realised that Alex was in fact going to be the successful one and I was going to be the starving artist. So Alex, don't even pretend that it would work both ways. Speaking of Bella doing writing and art, Bella, would you like to announce the prompt this week? <laughs> um, yes, that's a good point. So as well as a writer, I also can maybe am a little bit of an artist. So I do a lot of digital art, I also do a lot of real life art, but this week I decided I would do it a character prompt so i asked everyone in the chat alex erin izzy to give me five characteristics of a character they could be physical they could be about their career they could be emotional etc etc and i would then draw the character and kind of do a little description of what the character was the piece will be on the, the instagram right so people can see it Yes, I will be posting that tonight. The piece with the description will be up, so if anyone wants to have a go writing with the character, please feel free, because then maybe I'll get some fan art. The other test will be if, based on our joint descriptions of the character in our various pieces, how closely it aligns to people's perception of That's the actual drawn true. art that we got to. This prompt was a lot more specific than other prompts. Yeah, yeah. so... This is Eddie Carvajal. She's mixed race, half white, half Filipino, and grew up in the US. She can speak both English and Filipino. She's a marine biologist researching slash diving in the, in the Philippines currently and staying with her grandmother, who is the most important person to her. She doesn't mind the rain, loves water really in general, even if she permanently seems to be scowling with intense menace. More often than not, she travels via ro roller skates. 
She often wears a flower crown atop her long blue ponytail and also fails often to match her socks. To calm down after a long day, she often lights a lot of candles. The low light with a hot bath makes her feel relaxed. When she does get anxious, though, she tends to bite her nails, which is a habit she's a little embarrassed about and tries to hide with nail polish. It's not the only thing she keeps hidden, however. There may be a secret in her basement. Oh, and before I forget, she also has the best boobs in existence, but because I think all breasts are awesome breasts, I just gave her whatever breasts I fancy. Erin, I can't believe you would give Bella... A prompt that suggested. We all know who that specific request <laughs> came from, Alex. Look, not everyone immediately realised that this was a prompted thing, and uh, and, there, and therefore Alex. certain PG guidelines may not have been adhered to. You know, it's okay. We can talk about breath. <laughs> yeah, what I want to know is, if you came across that profile on Tinder, would you swipe swipe left or would you swipe right? Just remember, she's got something hidden in her basement. <laughs> <laughs> We do not judge women by their looks, Alex. No, I was saying that if that was their like bio, if that was what they put up about themselves, what would you think? I asked for all the characteristics and I got such sweet ones from Erin and Izzy, like, oh, she's a marine biologist. And Erin was like, she wears odd socks, lights candles and doesn't mind the rain. And Izzy went, oh, she wears a flower crown and she has a tattoo of a flower pot. And yeah, cetera, and I said she has blue hair, roller skates and the best boobs in the world. <laughs> So yes, this is Eddie Carvajal and that is that is the character we wrote about in our pieces. I found it a lot more difficult to do a prompt from a character. So I did a few drafts and I found that because the description of the character is so poetic, it worked best in poetry. So I did a little poem. Disclaimer, this has been done in 20 minutes because I have a job now, which is really fun. Um, so I just did it when I got home from work. This is called Tattoo. Fingers pressed against the tank, a stingray swimming up. Grandma pointing at the sharks, lifting me high enough to see. Daisy stems cut at angles, tossed into fragments of clay, in case the queen comes, or Darcy bustle. Coins folded into handshakes, a little wink at the end of play, ginger cakes in cupboards, gone by the end of my stay. Candy canes on the mantelpiece, a train running under the tree. Kittens ripping corners of wrapping paper. Purple roller skates underneath. Tarmac grazing my elbows. Blood running down my knee. Grandma squeezing me better and pulling me back on my feet. Daisy chains in the park. Only a short walk today. Holding my elbow out for her. Naming the flowers along the way. Adding sugar to her tea. Booking a holiday on the web. Handwritten postcards, received on a rainy day. Knitting mismatched socks, dropping a stitch. Daisies pressed between pages, cats playing with the stems. Blue mascara down my face, school books bleeding with red pen. Grandma squeezing me better, finding frames for the drawings. Sitting in the tattoo parlour, asked what means the most in the world. Daisies growing up my arm from the fragments of clay that was very lovely i see that you mostly went for the suggestion that you gave was that her grandmother is the most important person to her it sounds like a lot of descriptions of staying with her grandmother 
Yeah, I find relationships between characters really interesting. It shows you a lot about a character, how they behave around certain people and what they remember from certain people and what they love about them. I do a lot of improv, obviously, and there's one exercise where you're a character and you show how you behave with one person, like your boss or a colleague or someone you know from school, maybe a teacher. And then you contrast that with how you behave with someone else, like your grandma or um, a partner or someone a bit closer, like a parent figure. And then each relationship that you have shows off a completely different side of you. And that's really what drives depth into your character because you're not the same. You're a slightly different person depending on who you're with and who you're talking to. So that's why I really like pulling apart this one relationship and seeing what comes out of it. Who's uh, who's piece for doing that? Uh, is, oh, is, is mine is, is, is mine scheduled next? Yeah, so speaking of pulling apart, I would love to pull Alex Lim from Lim. You know who's piece is Alex. <laughs> wow, God, actual threats of violence unprompted. Can you believe it? Alex, do you want this deadpan or do you want this like with emotion in it? I, I want Miss deadpan. I want Miss serious. Well, I like that Izzy's allowed to make threats of violence, but I'm not allowed to do the theme tune. <laughs> it involves a word that is merely anatomically correct. There is no inappropriateness about it at all. Alex, would you like to say the title of your piece? This is A Very Sensible Sequel by Alex Healy. Back by popular demand. I figured it was by Alex Healy. I'm not sure we needed that on the end. Alex needs his name in the title so that his fans know it's his. I have to fuel this ego. We established this at the start of episode. The, what's the name of your fans? What do we call them? Are they the Healy's? Are they the... I don't know. I think this, this would be a good question for Instagram as well. Because normally it's the fan bases that come up with their own fan names, isn't it? So it's prompted no longer a podcast Instagram. It's a, it's an Alex Healy fan account. I would love to see that, that'd be hilarious I've also realised that I can mute you guys while I'm speaking, so we don't have the problem of last time where you guys laughing makes me laugh, but we'll see how that goes Off you go, Erin The quaint, quiet town of Tenbury Wells, England lies just a short drive's distance south of Ludlow and is known locally for its excellent town market and its small museum Just down the road from the museum stands the local church the cemetery outside of which hosts the grave of Winsible G. Clatton Howe, the former owner of the Clatton Howe Sensible Game Shop. Just then, in the early hours of the morning, during a terrible storm, a bolt of lightning lurched from the sky and struck Winstable's grave. In an act of magic that is needed only to further the plot of this story, a dirty hand burst through the soft soil as the resurrected body of Winstable G. Clatton Howe rose out of his coffin. Gah! What is this? Have I been brought back to life? And with lightning of all things, that's not a very sensible resurrection. <laughs> Granted, it's not as silly as being brought back to life via some tra chanted hooded druids or through a zombie invasion, but it's definitely not as sensible as being revived through a legitimate medical cure. Ugh, where even am I? It smells like raw turnips around this town. Picking himself up carefully from the ground, Winstable began walking the reasonable distance back towards Ludlow. He was making sure that he walked fast enough to seem purposeful, but not so fast that any early morning jogger might mistake him for being desperate. By the time the sun had risen over Ludlow, Winstable had made it back to the high street where his sensible game shop had once stood, 
a very serious expression crossed Winstable's face, one that could be adequately compared to the seriousness of a brick or a modern art piece critiquing the, critiquing the environmental impact of plastic cups. Much to Winstable's horror, his shop had not been converted into something sensible, such as a pharmacy or perhaps even a small flower store, but instead the premises had been taken over by his arch-rival, Dunstable Voigtcloth. You <laughs> 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 were waving and I saw it in the screen. Dunstable Voigtcloth Arkington Vandermeer, CEO of the Arkington Vandermeer Silly Toy Emporium. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. He waits until I have the dignity to die on him and then muscles into my shop to flaunt his silly toys for ignorant, stupid children. Well, just wait until they see how seriously I'm about to take this. Winstable stepped forward and made a very serious entrance into the shop. It was so serious that an uninformed customer may have mistaken it for being dramatic, which would have only made the situation worse. Where is he? Where's Dunstable? I know he's lurking around here somewhere. He's probably hiding somewhere silly, like in the air vents, or inside that gigantic jack-in-the-box you have over there. Behind the counter was stood a young woman with blue hair in a long ponytail and a flower crown. Her uniform was bright and colourful, and Winstable watched with seething disgust as she slid out from behind the counter on a pair of flashing roller skates and began to circle him. <laughs> oh, Dunstable isn't here right now, but I'd be more than happy to show you around the store. Sir, although... Heesh, I'm sorry, but you smell like something just died. Oh, ha ha! I suppose you thought that was very funny, didn't you? Well, that joke was just as silly as the other ridiculous things you try and sell. Oh yes, sir. We here at the Argington Vandermeer Silly Toy Emporium strive to sell only the most absurd forms of entertainment we can think of. Here, try this water pistol. The young girl handed Winstable a large plastic water gun with vivid green stripes of various shades. Winstable aimed the ridiculous weapon and attempted to shoot it at the shop clerk, only for a jet of liquid to shoot backwards out the tank, squirting him in the face. Ah! How dare you! You knew what that was going to do, didn't you? Are you just trying to mock me? The idea of a water pistol is ridiculous anyway. Who is silly enough to project water at another human being through a vessel of some mock rifle when it would be far more efficient to just use a bucket or at the very least a garden hose? The girl giggled, taking the water gun back off the sodden Winstable. What is your name? What is your actual real name? Because I'm going to report you to the police for one of the serious crimes, like assault with a stupid weapon. I'm Eddie, but I think you'll find, sir, that you pulled the trigger and splashed yourself. I had nothing to do with it. Eddie? What a preposterous name. I bet, it is, I bet it isn't even short for something actually sensible, like Edward or Ed Worthington. <laughs> At least the last person who assaulted me had for basic human decency to be called Susan. <laughs> Whoa, wait up, dude. We're all just having fun here. You don't have to take everything so seriously. Lighten up. Lighten up? I'll light you up, you skating lunatic. I'm going to burn this ridiculous facility down until it's nothing but ash, which is a very serious mineral. Winstable reached over towards a set of novelty-shaped party candles and lit the dandelion-scented wick with nothing but the, he the heat of his burning scorn. He began making purposeful, moderately intense strides towards Eddie, 
when all of a sudden, from out of the giant jack-in-the-box leapt the bursting, tartan-suited figure of Dunstable Voightcloth Argington Vandermeer, who had a moustache so utterly ridiculous it would take me, as a narrator, at least another page of this script to, des- to describe it in detail and prompt it to the recommended word count cap. Anyway, Dunstable leapt through the air and did two and eight-tenths of a front flip before drop-kicking the novelty candle out of Winstable's hand. Winstable's eyes went wide when he suddenly realised that the water gun had not covered him in water, as a sensible viewer may have reasonably expected, but had instead doused him in kerosene. <laughs> Winstable screamed as a sensible ragsy had been buried in caught alight with flame. The flames were of large enough size to do significant damage to Winstable, but were not so big as to threaten the safety of the remaining shop and its staff. Danstable, I knew you would do something as ridiculous as this. I came back from being buried, so now you're just trying to cremate me instead? You really are silly if you think this will be enough to stop me. You and your ridiculous skating sidekick haven't seen the last of me. Any last words, Winstable? No doubt something would preponderously sensible, I'm sure. At least bury my ashes somewhere serious, like a park bench or anywhere in Devon. (laughs) Don't... Don't you dare defy me, Dunstable. I had fan art made of me. (laughs) The flames finally enraptured Winstable. (laughs) I'm so sorry. The flames finally enraptured Winstable, turning him instantly into exactly this kind of... into exactly the size of ash pile you would expect a man of his size to produce when burnt to a cinder. Because he was already legally classed as dead, all Eddie had to do was sweep up Winstable's powder with a special... (laughs) I was practicing this all day. I'm so sorry. Come on, Erin. You, you, you've, 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 got, you've got two lines left. The special edition Hungry Hungry Hippo's Dustpan Brush, which was available for the ridiculous price of £87.34 from your local branch of the Arlington Vandermeer City Toy Emporium. Can we please keep that in? Can we keep all of that in exactly as well? <laughs> I was practicing that today, so I would have laughed. you practiced it? And you couldn't read two lines before the end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. I got really far without laughing. That's fair. That is fair. I love that Winstable thinks he has plot armour and just doesn't. (laughs) Is this really what I missed? Yes. This is literally what you missed. I think you've got to answer a very important question, which is, will Winstable be returning? I mean, he's basically immortal at this point. So, uh, absolutely. If there is enough demand for it, uh, the next time I'm unprompted, there, there can and potentially will be another Dunstable story. I have no idea what to do with the plot. I, I need in- increasingly dramatic shenanigans to happen. If you are to take over prompted, I only have one request. <laughs> yes. That we make live action videos of all the episodes of the very sensible man that is Winstable. Uh, absolutely <laughs> and we're all playing them and you play Winstable, you dress up exactly as you imagined him and we just do live action and post it on YouTube, only then will I be okay with you taking over Prompted <laughs> well, we t- we're talking about my single handed domination of the entire podcast Yeah, uh, I'm down for that, I think we should do that regardless of my status as a Prompted presenter I just love that you killed him off in the first sentence brought him back to life had him just figure out life, decide to kill off everyone, and then die again. 
Well, he died at the end of the last episode. Do you not remember how he was he was murdered with a box of Settlers of Catan Cities and Knights expansion pack? Oh, yeah. That's why he started in the grave. He crawled out of the grave, yeah. That is the sensible thing to do. My aim is, in like a few years' time, I want Dunstable to have more recorded deaths than Kenny does in South Park. So Dunstable, so where does Dunstable come in? So Dunstable sells ridiculous products at ridiculous prices. At ridiculous prices. He, he, he owns the Silly Toy Emporium, which is, you know, was once located to just Woking, but now seems to have become, in the time that Winstable's been dead, it seems to have become a, a, you know, a, a giant UK conglomerate. Right. And, you know, Winstable's silly toy sh- uh, sorry, sen- very sensible board game shop has, you know, shut down. And so Winstable is, you know, losing now to his arch rival. So there's potential here for an underdog story. I, I think it's a plot that people are really going to connect with. Yeah, real emotion there. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the underdog, hi, it's me, Bella, the underdog, who's <coughs> consistently <laughs> impressed by my, uh, my, my host, Izzy. Um, with my piece. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was such a bad segue. Shall we see what you've written this week? Yeah. So this is called Jellyfish Lake. Just give me one second. I've lost my piece. Elevator music. We're all doing a slightly different elevator music. This is our new theme tune. Okay, I shall begin. Palau made Eddie Carvajal feel like a giant. Like the world was not a world at all, but this microcosm of land, just 340 freckles on a cerulean marble. The archipelago itself held so much oceanic treasure that, for a marine biologist, it made a lifelong career. This is why she was seriously considering moving here permanently. The trip that her research group were taking from the Philippines to Palau each week was becoming less and less about the journey and more about the destination. As much as Eddie valued the weekends with her grandmother, her dreams were filled with sea salt. Fish like silvery lights, thrumming in swarms, coral sprouting from bareback ocean floor, kilometres from the main triangle, jellyfish like underwater spirits, too gentle to sting. This was Eddie's obsession as of late, the jellyfish lake on Isle Mulk. She had spent nearly every day working on the tourist stand, fitting travellers with scuba gear and taking every opportunity to tangle with their golden arms. Jellyfish had always fascinated her. As a creature, they were completely meditative. They moved entirely without thoughts, without desires. It was contagious. When she swam with them, she swam without fear. They could not perceive the clumsy mammals kicking around them. When their glassy bells tore, they sensed not the void of death. They could not tell that in the last two decades they had fallen from 30 million to less than one. You are the key to our future, Eddie told them quietly one evening. She had just spent the last half hour coaxing some stubborn Americans from the water and her frustrated scowl had yet to leave her face. If I save you, I know how to save us. Samuel Henderson, more commonly known amongst their group as Weevil for his incredibly long nose, was filing all the forms from the day into a yellow binder. He glanced up at her mumbling and raised his eyebrow. Pesky tourists, huh? Eddie took a long breath and tried to straighten her face. The basin should be for researchers only. She moved over to where Weevil was trying to slot the binder into a tightly packed case. It should be made in SSSI. Uh, why? 
Uh, most research has already been conducted here. He reached into his back pocket and pulled out a set of keys. You'd struggle to make it a site of enough scientific interest. What are we here for, then? He smirked at her and turned to lock up shop. Extended field trip. She frowned darkly. I'm here to conduct research on how to increase populations. I suppose there is that. He conceded. So, what's the plan tonight? Gonna join us on the beach for some beers? No. She said. I think I'll stay here a little while longer. Come on, Carvajal. He whined, kicking his sandals petulantly. It's nearly our last night on the island. The boat back to the Philippines this weekend is a one-way ticket. She ignored him, leaving her skates and people clothes outside the door to walk down the platform. She heard him huff behind her, followed by the sound of receding footsteps, and then she was alone. Her diving suit was still slightly damp, but the night was warm enough to keep the chill away. She crouched as close to the water as possible, peering into the deep, shadowy pool. By now it was nearly opaque, reflecting the darkening sky, and the jellyfish had become blurry shapes. Soon they would be entering their sleep cycle. The night jars cooing in the surrounding trees were counting the seconds down to it. She wanted to push her hand into the water, but felt even the slightest disturbance, the smallest of ripples, would disturb the peace. Instead, she crossed her legs and took a candle out of her satchel. The light would be low enough to leave the creatures to their rest. For near an hour, there was nothing, only the gentle wash of water and the percussive hushing of trees overhead. The candle had burnt its own basin into the wax, and Eddie imagined the flame a golden jellyfish floating inside. By now, the rest of her research team would have been several units in, merry and with sand in every drunken crevice. Eddie stayed quiet, watching the water like a guardian. She thought she might have imagined it at first, or perhaps a shower may be starting, making the water twist up in circles. But she felt no rain on her skin, and after a while, the ripples began to vibrate enough to knock the platform. She moved onto her knees, leaning over to stare as the lake shifted and splashed beneath her. She had to grip onto the edge of her perch to stay upright, until finally, after a tremendous growl that could only have come from the depths of a sea trench, the lake fell eerily still. In the commotion, her candle had been blown out. Yet through the blackness, she could see something large moving. No, not something large. Several things that were very, very small. Eddie! They whispered, heads bobbing to the surface. Eddie, Eddie! She couldn't speak. She must have been dreaming, except this did not have the same gossamer quality as a dream. The wood beneath her was splintering, the air sharp on her bare skin. And it kept coming. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie! This was it. This moment had always been waiting pulling her into its future. She closed her eyes against the current of air, water, life. The jellyfish had spoken. I love cool. that. I'm just going to go add jellyfish to the list of things I'm never going near again. Bella, your piece! Oh my goodness, that made my heart sing. I cannot explain how much I love that piece. There's a line that really got me that was, um, when their glassy bells tore, they sense not the void of death. Ah, that is just beautiful writing. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I, I really love how you capture the moments of silence of her inner thoughts and her hopes and dreams and stuff like that. And then you see how she reacts to other people, because to other people she comes across as quite dismissive and horrible and grumpy, when really she's this really nice, really sweet woman with 
all of these hopes and dreams and wanting to save and help people. And I just thought it was beautifully constructed. I loved it. Thank you. The jet, speaking jellyfish. Yeah. Bella, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen any old Star Trek movies? No. There's a Star Trek movie where um, the crew have to go back in time to save the dolphins because they're the only people that can convince the aliens that they don't need to destroy the planet. This reminded me of that, and I just wanted you to know that. Oh, that's cool. The the piece that kind of, well, the piece, the book that kind of inspired the writing, and Alex will know it, it kind of, as I was writing it, it kind of reminded me of the similar type of thing. Uh, it was Lagoon. Ah, oh, Lagoon. Was, which I, I remember reading it and going like, wow, this book is insane, but also really good. And it's Afrofuturism, I believe. And it's essentially yeah. one of one of the characters, I think, is a marine biologist. And yes, they are. Yeah, the, one of the main characters. And they're all trying to like save the world. But this alien oh. from the water appears. And these aliens have allowed the sea creatures to change themselves however they wish. So the sea creatures all change themselves to be like more powerful so that they can protect the oceans essentially, which is quite cool. So the jellyfish kind of were inspired by that same thing. But yeah, I had to do a lot of research for this piece because um, when I originally was kind of filling in the gaps for the character, I wanted her to have a history in the Philippines and I saw that Palau is really close to the Philippines. Um, it's like this set of like 340, I think I said, islands? 340 islands. Mm. And there's this one island, Iomog, um, that is essentially what happened was in an ice age, the sea level rose, or was it the sea? Yeah, the sea level rose enough because the icebergs were obviously expanding that the water fell into the basin of the island. So all of the sea creatures from outside fell into the basin inside the island. And then when the sea level went down again, they had nowhere to go. So they were just, just stuck in this basin. So the jellyfish in particular evolved to no longer need their sting because there weren't any predators. So you can actually go to Palau and swim with jellyfish because they don't have a sting. They're like That's completely so cool. harmless. Um, but also because they made that such a big tourist industry, uh, it ended up the population ended up dropping from thirty million to like nearly none. They've had to like make adjustments and make it more eco tourist so that they can increase the population again. So at the moment it's back at like around one million, but it's still like way far off where it was. And I just thought that was really cool and I now want to go swim with the jellyfish. <laughs> you should make that into a longer piece. I think that was really interesting. This would make a great novel. Also, my mother thinks that you should read audiobooks. Oh, maybe maybe I'll look into that as my next career option because I feel like the pandemic is going to leave me very much unemployed. <laughs> Woohoo! I laugh so I don't cry. Speaking of lyricism, Erin's <laughs> voice is a beautiful song to behold, Erin. It's really not, but I appreciate that nonetheless. It was while it was a whispering jellyfish. I liked it very much. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Bella. What was your What was your genre? My genre was adventure, and it's written as a like an audio play, but I don't have any sound effects, so I'm just going to be reading sound effects. Can we make sound effects? Yeah, we could make. If them. you would like to. Yes. yes. All right. All right. You guys, are you guys ready to make sound effects? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I can do the C. Ready. Blub, blub, blub. Okay. Blub, Background noise. The blub, sea blub, in the blub, distance, blub, dripping water. Blub, 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 blub. 
Everyone's voices slightly echo in the cave. Echo, echo, echo. She said she'd be here at 1am. It's almost 2. Relax, it'll be fine. Where did your fidget cube go? I broke it on the way here. Oh, hang on. There's a spare in my backpack. Why, exactly? Because I ordered you a multi-pack and put them everywhere. (laughs) That explains why there was one in the glove box. Here. It's either orange or yellow. I I can't tell in this light. Do you have something for everyone in that bag of yours? Uh, Blister plasters for Eddie's skates and gummy bears for Saya. Don't tell them, though. They're for emergencies only. My lips are sealed. There is the sound of footsteps. Eddie and Saya's voices are slightly strained from carrying heavy boxes. Carlisle, shine a light, would you? What happened to yours? This bright spark dropped it. I did nothing of the sort. Where do you want this crate? There's a space over there. The crate lands with a heavy thud. Eddie and Saya sigh with relief. Crowbar? Here. Saya, want us to do the honours? It's technically yours, after all. But it was my grandfather's, uh, not mine. Uh, You do it, Eddie. You dived for it. The crate is loudly opened. (coughs) (coughs) Whoa. Is it all real? We've wasted a tremendous amount of time if it's not. Patel, what do you think? Shift back, here. Give them room to work. We hear the clinking of metal as Patel shifts through the crate. I don't have anything metal. Clink, 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 clink. <laughs> it looks authentic. I need to look at it in proper daylight to be sure. Could you estimate the value? Like I said, I need a proper look. They're well preserved, though. Almost weirdly so. You said these were underwater for a few decades? At least. They they should be much more damaged than this, and and all the jewellery should be rusted through, but it's not. Uh, In that case, could you give me the best guess of the price? Best guess? With the three crates combined, I'd say they're worth at least a thousand. Is that enough to pay those debt collectors off? It would lighten the load, certainly. Perhaps enough to make my aunt reconsider selling the house. Mansion. House. Mansion. Hey, don't debate them on stuff like that. You'll lose. It has to be classed as a mansion due to the dimensions. Anyway, you think it's enough? We can't let you leave your home, Saya. It's falling to pieces. Not that our childhood games helped matters much. Yeah, sorry about that. It was worth it, though. Too right. We'd better shift this stuff out of the cave. I'll bring the car around. Please be careful. Don't get it stuck in the sand again. Fine. But I'll bring it closer, at least. Eddie, are you sure your basement's the safest place? Sure. Getting the crates down the stairs will be a pain, though. Patel? Which crate do you want to go first? Probably that one. I'll take the heaviest, so if I take this, then... Here, I'll help. Saya, stay with the rest until we get back. Carlisle, make sure to grab my diving gear on your way to the car. When have I ever forgotten anything? Patel, don't strain your back. Lift with your... My legs, not my back. I know. Come on, then. We should be able to get unloaded before 4am if we hurry. Ooh. Hey. I like that Erin used the basement thing. I, no one else has used it, so that's really cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love how these characters help each other. You, yeah, you get a sense of they're all helping out each other and they're all doing it secretly as well. They're not really talking about 
how they're helping each other, why they're helping each other. They're just getting on with making sure that they make each other's lives as easy as they can for each other. I'd really love to see like a prequel of their history of them, how they got so close. It has a sort of famous five vibe to it, doesn't it? Sort of just yeah. like a small little adventuring party. They're all childhood friends, and I think there is something wrong with the treasure. I, I think, like, possibly cursed, if I'm going to be lazy. There's nothing wrong with a bit of cursed treasure. Very of course not. Pirates of the Caribbean-esque. They all just end up becoming the living dead. I didn't receive that in the Famous Five. There is something quite interesting that I've noticed having listened to all of the pieces, and... I feel like because I didn't really pick that many characteristics specifically, but I did sort of fill in the gaps. I was the only one that had it set in the Philippines and that kind of thing. Alex used a lot of the things that he suggested, but not a lot of the things other people suggested. What What are you trying to say about me, Bella? Erin <laughs> used the basement, which was really cool, but also something that she suggested. And I feel like Izzy yeah. used a lot of the things she suggested. So that was quite interesting to see the priority, like, <laughs> people prioritize what they suggested. Because I imagine that when they pictured the, pictured a character in their head, those were the things they wanted to write about, which is kind of, I think that's kind of cool. What are we moving on to next? So we've had four glorious pieces. But that's not enough for a series finale. I said that really weirdly. A series finale where we have just hit 1,000 total listens. Woo! Woo! We're actually over 1,000 now. Yeah. I checked this morning. We're over 1,000. Yeah, we're doing really well in our... Yeah, so it's, it's really exciting because this is the end of our second series of Prompted and hitting a thousand total listens across the two series is just it's amazing that people are enjoying it because all this is just us doing our writing and chatting about it and enjoying each other's writing and so it's really lovely that you guys are listening to it i was really happy when i saw that number but the thing that i am enjoying most about prompted and that i was the most shocked about prompted when we started it is the amount of listener interactions we can work into the show and i really love the amount of people who are suggesting topics for us and interacting with us and also obviously jamie who is on instagram as at jamie our author who has been writing for us and he just writes really amazing pieces that really, really make the show what it is. And it was when he first did a piece for us in series one when we just dropped a prompt and he then wrote a piece for us. That was just, that's just what really shaped the show for me. And so thanks, Jamie, for doing that. And let's read out a piece that you did in response to a different prompt. So this isn't the character prompt. This is a different prompt. We had a good run, you and I. We tried to make it work. I did all I could, didn't I? There's only so much a person can change about themselves before they are no longer the person they were before. No one should be expected to change so they no longer recognise themselves. It's not worth it. In the early days, it all seemed so exciting. Things were fresh and new. There was an endless world of possibilities. We could have done anything, gone anywhere. I wanted to do those things. I really did. You might not believe me, but all I can do is lay my heart and soul before you and tell you it is true. Things cooled and mellowed, of course. It is inevitable. The excitement of the early days cannot sustain a relationship. But as the thrill wanes, 
a mature relationship follows. We were good together, at least at times. You brought joy on the good days, comfort on the bad. I will never forget you for that. Nor will I forget the hours spent crying in the bathroom, the pain, the disgust. None of it was your fault. Of course, it was all me. I knew what I was doing. I made a choice and I suffered the consequences. I'm sure you would stick by me until the end. But I cannot ask that of you. And I cannot keep carrying you with me. It is time to move on and find your replacement. I think I'll try oat milk this time. After all, I'm actually lactose intolerant. And you're well past your best before date. <laughs> that was a whirlwind from start to finish. That was intense. <laughs> The dramatic reading. I was like, what is happening? Excuse me, I got a B in A-level drama. The way you were just like, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I made a choice and I suffered the consequences. I was like, what? Whoa. <laughs> it's also worth saying that the, the prompt for this was uh, your past your best by date. I liked Jamie's piece a lot. I liked how it set it up as this big in-depth relationship and it's just about milk and of all the people I know who are lactose intolerant I think they would relate to this experience quite a lot. Um, sorry. I'm just gonna step in there. <laughs> I can't touch dairy at all. I am completely dairy intolerant. I'm not lactose intolerant. I just can't touch dairy. I don't think I've quite ever had this passionate a relationship with milk. <laughs> not gonna lie i just want to say i no, you know i it's like when i was commissioned once to do a piece about a character being shipped with a fridge that's what this kind of reminded me of of like a weird bella is it weird that i've heard one of those fan fictions before because my friend used to like them is that a common thing in the fan art community Oh, there's like even like a game that's like refrigerator love story simulator or something where you can fall in love with a refrigerator, but I don't know why. And that's what this milk thing reminded me of. Speaking of very cool listener interaction, um, I have an announcement to make, so I'm just going to go ahead with that. Welcome to the Prompted Summer Writing Challenge. The rules are simple. Write a piece of writing that is between 500 to 1,000 words. It can be any genre and can be a full story or an extract of something longer. Your piece must be based on one of these three prompts. Number one, someone must have lived here once. Someone with a garden. Honeysuckle doesn't grow here naturally. Number two, I'm that aunt that has a crystal ball and howls at the moon every third Thursday of the month. And number three, hey, stop disrobing in my living room. Your piece must be appropriate for an audience of 13 plus. Generally, this means no scenes of disturbing or intense violence, no inappropriate sexual content and no swear words. The written pieces in our episodes are good examples of these guidelines. The competition opens at midnight on the 1st of July and closes at midnight on the 1st of August. Send your entries to us at promptedwritingpodcast.gmail.com and we'll read out some of the best pieces on a special summer episode. By sending us your piece, you are giving us permission to use it on the show, and we will use and we will use your name with the piece unless you explicitly ask us not to. If you would like to include a sentence or two to introduce yourself and your writing, we will read that out too. So happy writing! Extra points if you guess which prompt came from who. 
they are on the Instagram, so they can look it up if they <laughs> if they properly search for it. <laughs> I posted I posted two of them on the Instagram, so it's actually mm. not that simple because one of them Don't came from one of us, and the other one came from another person. That one of the, I can speak for audience reference. Bella Snow just took another sip of beer. <laughs> Look, if we're if we're gonna record this late on a Friday night, you cannot expect me to be sober. <laughs> um, okay, so I am really excited for the writing competition. I really want to see what you guys are gonna come up with. So, before, so thank you to the prompt provider Bella for spending twenty hours or something incredible making a really good drawing for this, and also compiling all of our everything that we have suggested and trying to make them work. And also, I just want to mention that this week's prompt was originally going to be a prompt from my friend, which is, I've listened to every single episode twice, and yet I've never had a mention. So let's not mention from an MB episode. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me on again, guys. Thank you so much to our writers for the show, to the four of us and Jamie thank you so much to you guys for listening um yeah as i said the a thousand listens is just amazing it means so much to all of us thank you so much and thank you so much for being with us during um during lockdown and during series two that's been really nice as well and yes yeah, for more prompts and writing go to our instagram which is at prompted writing podcast if you want writing advice or you want to share your responses to any of our prompts just dm us especially remember to go for that competition that erin just announced you can find us on anchor fm which distributes us to spotify google Podcasts, and many more you already know that because you're listening to the episode and thank you so much again to everyone unprompted who's made the season work thank you so much to all of our guests that we've had throughout the season and throughout season one and thank you again so much for listening alex hit the outro okay now he's done that can we never have him on again (laughs) (laughs) what how did you get into my laptop? I'm very small. So we've been listening to you recording prompted for about half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> There's my notebook.